make that lease your best friend. That's mm-hmm. some of the best advice I can give. Just everything that comes up, have something in your lease that addresses it. And then when it happens, just point the resident back to the lease. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away. But if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at besteverconference.com because the earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Andrew Props. How you doing, Andrew? Great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Andrew is the CEO of Home River Group. He's got over 18 years of experience in both residential and commercial real estate management. He's the past national president of NARPM, National Association of Residential Property Managers. Oh, and by the way, he's been kidnapped and held for ransom by the Russian mob. Apparently, there was a movie made about his ordeal based in – is that correct, first off? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. All right. All right, all right. Just want to make sure that someone didn't sneak that in for a late April Fool's Day or something. I don't know. And, that, would and, been, that, would been cool. that would have been epic. Yeah. <laughs> and is based in Boise, Idaho. So with that being said, Andrew, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, my primary focus is residential property management, multifamily and single family nationwide. We have our Home River Group is a it's a you know third party property management company. We're based in 14 states, I believe it's about 18 markets, and we service investors managing their properties in multiple locations throughout the country. And our purpose is to offer them great service, etc., and find our investors opportunities to invest, so we can obviously manage more properties. Along with that, obviously, I have my own portfolio of properties that I've purchased over the years, commercial and residential, and I've been in the business, obviously, member of NARPM, member of IRAM, which is the Institute of Real Estate Management, CCIM, Certified Commercial Institute member, Certified Investment member. Sorry, I got to get that right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, you know, known a lot of folks in the industry nationally and seen a lot of good things in the business, some bad things, and learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, and occasionally I do something right. So it's, it's nice to be able to talk to you about a little bit of that today. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Since I brought up the kidnapping thing, would you mind just telling that quick story, if it is a quick story? Yeah. The best part about the whole kidnapping thing is that they made a movie about it and that I can refer people to watch the movie so I don't have to tell the story anymore. But your listeners would be pretty bummed if I didn't give at least a highlight. But I was serving as a Mormon missionary in Russia I was approached by some Russian mobsters, basically, who owed some gambling debts. And they asked us to come over and talk to them about the church. We walked in there. We got beat up pretty bad. We got held for ransom for five days. And then they got scared and let us go. And then 13 years later, we had a director reach out and wanted to make a movie about the ordeal. And they and actually did make a movie, which is crazy. So it's available on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free on Prime or Netflix. It's called the Saratov approach or the Saratov approach. If you don't speak Russian, it's S-A-R-A-T-O-V. And you, you can watch me get kidnapped on. There you go. And is it okay if I laughed about you saying you can watch me get kidnapped on TV? I don't want you to be like, wait, he's totally just not taking it the right way. All right, got it. So real estate wise, you have been in the business for over 18 years. 
and you're a past president of the association that organizes property managers. What are some best practices that you've learned over the years? And feel free to choose residential or commercial, whichever direction you want to take it. Well, I definitely have a love of the residential side. There's a lot of people out there that either have a third-party property manager or manage their property themselves. And obviously, I am on the camp of delegating that out, having a professional do it. But either way, if you're doing it yourself or you have a third-party manager, you want to utilize the lease in your day-to-day operations of your business. And a lot of people get very emotionally involved in what's going on with their tenant and allow the tenant's situation, emotional state, whatever they're dealing with in their life to dictate the tenancy. And that is just not how you do it. You obviously want to stick with the lease. The lease is your best friend if you're an owner or a property manager. And we do a good job of saying, hey, this is something we've done. We agreed to from the beginning. And this is what the lease says. I understand your dog died, whatever happened, your, your paycheck got lost in the mail. But this is what the lease says. And we always just refer the tenants over to the lease. And that's something that Unfortunately, the people, we manage almost 13,000 doors nationally. We collect almost 100% of the rents on a monthly basis. But I'll have a property owner come in with six properties that all six of them are three or four months behind. And it's because, again, they don't lean on the lease and they let the situation happen, whatever it is, with the tenant and they get taken advantage of. So on a very high level, make that lease your best friend. That's Mm -hmm. some of the best advice I can give. Just Everything that comes up, have something in your lease that addresses it. And then when it happens, just point the resident back to the lease. What if I'm living in a property that you're managing and it's the very first time I've been late and I will be able to pay in two weeks? What do you do? Typically, again, if you're two weeks late on your rent, it's very different from state to state. But typically we would give them, after rent was due, a three-day notice to pay or quit. And if they have had a great paying history in the past, we would still send that notice, but get them on a promise to pay note, which is basically, hey, this is the conditions that you're agreeing to. If you don't pay or if you don't deliver the rent by this time, then you're forfeiting the property back over to us. So then if they didn't pay, we would proceed with eviction. If they did pay, then we would be fine. We would still collect the late fee. Is that promise to pay note mentioned in the lease at all? No, because this would be an addendum to the lease. And basically, whatever state you're in, whatever the laws allow when you're promised a pay note, you can put in there. Because there are some states where you can get away with exercising those notes. And some states where they're just the kind of a lot of fluff and you still have to go through the rigmarole of the, the eviction. But if you allow tenants to pay late once, they'll pay late forever if you don't have these kind of things in place. What's another policy that perhaps you didn't have before, but now you make sure is in place? I think that the many years of managing properties, when I first started managing properties, we had a lease that was three pages long. Our lease now is probably 12 or 13 pages long. So putting these things in place. One thing I really like that we started doing about two years ago, if you own investment properties and you have central air in those investment properties... Tenants, just like homeowners, are horrible, horrible at changing their air filters. And this is a huge expense. The furnace filters, et cetera, are easy to change, but nobody remembers to do them. So we implemented an awesome product called Filter Easy, where a new filter will get sent out to a tenant on a regular basis. 
in the mail, stamped, they put it in the furnace. If we go out to the property and they've got an old filter in there and the points are dirty because they haven't changed the filter, then our lease says that we charge the tenant for that versus the owner getting the bill. So I love the Filter Easy program or a regular filter delivery program because just like homeowners, tenants forget to do it and it's a huge mess and owners do not like getting five, six, $700 HVAC bills because their tenants never change their filters. And before we had this in place, we saw some of the nastiest filters you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. It's a good business model. I just went to their website, Filter Easy. I hadn't heard of them before. It's great. And they integrate with our property management system. So the second a tenant moves in, the other thing that owners typically like about it is we charge the tenants for it. It's a tenant charge versus an owner charge. So they get billed a small monthly fee once a month or once a quarter, depending on which part of the country they live in. They'll get a filter automatically delivered to their door and they change it because people just don't remember it. You know, it's great stuff. And who pays for that? The tenant. The tenant pays for the ongoing filters? Yes, that's right. And how much is it? It just depends. You have to talk to Filter Easy about that. I'm not 100% sure, but it just depends on how regular the filters go out, whether it's monthly or quarterly or biannually. You make sure that they have that set up, but you're not managing that process. No, Filter Easy, once we put them in our system, Filter Easy automatically starts sending them the filters. And they give Filter Easy their credit card information or however they're paying? We bill them. So if their rent's $1,000, and they get billed, say, $10 or whatever, they would pay $1,010. Is there a profit margin for the landlord on that? It depends on how you set it up and how you negotiate with Filter Easy. But I think there are some property managers that probably make some money doing that or owners that are probably making some money doing that. I can tell you that owners are saving a lot of money by having their furnaces properly cared for. What's been a challenging property that you've taken over to manage? On the third party level, the most challenging properties are properties where owners don't want to give up control, right? So this is the way we've always done it and blah, blah, blah. So we have very, very clear systems and those systems when followed, things go great. And when we have owners that are very specific as to how they want things done, because this is how they've always done it. And then we deviate from those systems. That's when those properties go the wrong way. So in general, an owner that doesn't want to give up control of their property, which is the whole reason you hire a property manager, right? So this stuff will get done and taken care of without having to bother you. And there's a statement and a check that shows up on a monthly basis. That's the whole idea. And if the the property owner feels like that they have to continually manage the property and manage the manager, that's tough for us. And it's probably not a good fit for the property owner. So those are tough. As far as tenants in the property that are just difficult. We've dealt with them all. We've got pretty good processes on how to deal with most of them. I think some of the best deals out there right now are the deals are the most poorly managed deals. When there's owners that are just desperate to sell, it's because they have done a really bad job managing their properties or their property manager has done a bad job managing their properties. They're under rented. They're not collecting the way they should. And if you can identify those opportunities, there's some major buys out there for investors to probably listen to this podcast on a regular basis. Some great opportunities. All the best real estate deals I've ever purchased are the ones that are the, the poorly managed ones. That's a perfect segue. I'd love to talk about your portfolio. You said you have your portfolio of commercial and residential properties. What are you actively buying right now? What type? Right now, mostly smaller multifamily, which is 100 units or less. Single family. I'll look at anything on a commercial. I'm pretty 
bearish on office space and retail just because of what's going on in those spaces. But if you can get a good deal on multifamily, I think multifamily has a very, very long runway. I think one of the best plays right now is to go vertical, do a build to rent project in certain markets because their margins are there. The need is there. And seems like everything I've read, all the conferences I've attended and the statistics are saying multifamily is here to stay. And we have about 3 million multifamily properties that should be in the ground being built right now or up and rented in this country. And they're not there. So somebody's got to fill that void. And I think that is a good play. And obviously I'm trying to take advantage as much of that as possible. Since 2010, I've helped investors put about 4,500 brand new multifamily doors in the ground, mostly in the Boise market. We've got a couple of projects in Kansas City, also Memphis, but primarily those are in Boise. But there's many opportunities, especially in the secondary tertiary markets in this country where build to rent is an amazing option. There's some really good financing out there for that. And if you can find the right builder and maybe find the right partner or two, there's some major opportunities to take advantage of a huge need for multifamily. You said... 3 million units that should be up that aren't. Where'd you get that stat from? What's the source? I'm just curious. The source would be coming from the National Multifamily Council. Like I said, the 3 million unit delta to where we should be and where we are. I mean, in some of these markets, we've seen national historical vacancies of 7%. A lot of markets, especially on the West Coast, right? There's two, 3% vacancies. That's major. Even in Los Angeles, where you know people aren't building a lot of apartments because it's just too expensive, vacancies are a zero. There's a huge need for multifamily housing, and it's just not out there. What was the last property you purchased? The last property I purchased was on Friday, and it was a single-family home in Memphis, Tennessee. What are the numbers? It was fifty thousand dollars rented at eight fifty. I think it's between 11 and 1200 square feet. It's in a B area, probably a C property. It already came with the tenant in it. And it was sourced by one of our property managers there in Memphis and brought it to me. And it was a good deal, a very, very good deal. That's a whole lot of cash flow for a $50,000 house. Buy those all day long in Memphis, Tennessee. If you can, they're harder to find than they used to be, but those deals are still out there. I couldn't buy a cardboard box on a lot in Boise, Idaho, but I could buy a really nice... CB property in a CB neighborhood in Memphis all day long. I love Oklahoma City. There's still great buys in Indy, some good buys in North Carolina. Those are areas that we manage. And so when if we're there up and managing, I feel very comfortable buying outside of uh, my home state and having our property managers take care of it. For a listener who's attempting to vet a property management company, let's assume you don't own one for a second. How would you vet a property management company? That's a great question. Typically, I would say 90% of property owners that are looking to potentially buy an investment in a market would start their search online. And I would look to see how transparent that property management company comes across online. First of all, are they members of any local associations or national associations in regards to property management or real estate? The question is, when you're looking at their website, what do they have to lose? If they don't have a lot to lose, then maybe you want to stay away from that one. But if you can go onto that website and see that they've got a good management system by clicking the owner portal login to see if you have full transparency into your statements and to what's happening on your property, that's huge. If you can see the owner's name and you can see how to call that person and they have a 
a biography there about what they've done, if you can see their employees. Are they putting themselves out there so if something goes wrong, they're going to fix it? Those are things that I would start my search with. And then obviously make a couple calls. Find the ones on there that have been there a while and, are, and seem to be doing it right and give them a call. I think obviously looking at the reviews too, but a lot of the times I'm saying this for my fellow property managers, property managers get a lot of bad reviews, but a lot of those times those bad reviews are from tenants that aren't getting their security deposit back, which is the property manager stepping up and taking the heat for the owner because that tenant has done a bad job being a tenant. So I would try to read through a lot of those bad reviews and look for owner reviews and what are the owners saying specifically versus how much are the tenants complaining because they're not getting their security deposit back. That's kind of the difficulty of being a property manager. You're stuck in between doing what's right for the owner and doing what's right for the tenant and you have to kind of be in the middle there. And sometimes when you do what's right, it makes one of those people very upset and then they go to Yelp or Google and let you have it. Mm-hmm. When you make those calls to the property management companies and you're attempting to determine if they're, as you said, doing it right, what questions do you ask to determine that? Hey, if it was me, I would want to talk to somebody that understands investment property and not just a toilets and tenants property manager. So a TNT property manager, hey, I deal with tenant problems all day. If the toilet's leaking, I fix it. That is not the kind of person that I personally want to work with. You're not saying that they're good or bad, but probably not the best partner long-term to work with. I want to be able to talk to my property manager about, hey, what's the market doing? What kind of cap rate can I get if I sell this or want to buy more properties? More of an investment property manager versus a property manager. I want them to understand what an IRR is and understand how to put together a budget on my property send me budget comparison to income statements and basically manage it like a true asset versus just sitting around and waiting for problems to happen. Most businesses want to compete based on value, not price. So get that. But just from a uh, price standpoint, what are the fees that an investor should expect to come across for a high quality property management company? On the property management fee, I would expect to pay anywhere between 7 and 10%. I can't say specifically what people pay in certain parts of the country. If you say, we're going to start charging this fee, and other people start charging, I mean, you get into antitrust situations. But what I typically see across the country, shopping other property management companies, if it's a single family home, if you're going in, you're buying one single family home, you should be looking at a 7 to 10% management fee. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Diligence. When you're making a buying decision, get all the information that you can. I've seen investors do this. They'll go in and buy a single family or multifamily or commercial, and they they won't even look at the leases. They won't look at the tenants. They won't look at the applications. The real estate agent won't even put in the contract to transfer the deposits at closing. So just understanding what is the actual income look like? What are all the expenses that are associated with that property? And not just what the owner says. There's so many resources out there where you can go and get the right answer the first time and put it into your performa and get it right. So you understand specifically what you're buying, who the tenants are paying the rent. That's so important and gets overlooked all the time. And then what do the applications look like and putting together a planned budget for that property and then having your property manager execute that plan. I can't think of better advice to give to folks. 
because when I've done that, my investment is awesome. And when I've, I haven't taken the time, I get surprised and things happen that are outside of my vision for that property. It's because I wasn't looking. So just let the facts determine what's going on and, and do your best to try to put the emotions aside because you have an agent or a family member or a friend saying this is the best deal of all time. It could be, but make sure you check all the boxes before you execute on that decision. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am so ready. <laughs> well, I am so ready to do it too. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away. But if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at besteverconference.com because the earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The Seven Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at sevenfiguresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, best ever book you've read? How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Best ever deal you've done that wasn't your first and wasn't your last? A 42-unit apartment building in Nampa, Idaho. You still own it? Just sold it. What were the numbers on that? Paid 1.75, sold it for 3050000 held it for two years. Increased average rent from 435 to 715 in two years. 50000 was that in reference to how much you put into it? No, I bought it for 1.7 change, sold it for 3050000 How much did you put into it? 250 capex. It goes to show one of my favorite quotes. You never know how important a property manager is until you hire a bad one. <laughs> so true. That was a situation where there was bad property management. You had owners that didn't care about what the rents were. The average rent for that property was 435 In two years, we had it to 715 And if you understand how to calculate cap rates, I think we bought it at a projected cap of about a 15 and we sold it just over a six. So that's why we almost doubled our money in two years. And by we, it's you and I, investors I, I, or? I partners. You had partners. Got it. Are they passive investors or did you all join venture together? It was an equal partnership. So sold that building a month ago. We're in the middle of a 1031 exchange. We're buying a property in West Memphis on the exchange because of that. But after all the real estate, et cetera, was paid, we had 1.5 million in equity. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Just going back and not doing all the due diligence. I'm trying to think of something specific that I've done that was pretty dumb. I'm a pretty picky investor, man. I don't want to say forever. I bought a portfolio of properties in Memphis, Tennessee. And because there was a portfolio, I didn't get a look at them all the way I normally would. And I mean a portfolio, I mean there was nine single family homes. And so there was some surprises that popped up. And I should have looked a lot closer. Not that it's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt too bad, but it, it, it hurts for sure. What was the biggest ticket surprise? Just the amount of rehab as we moved the tenants out to either retenant or flip. The amount of rehab that came along with the properties. All these properties were eight properties. Nothing was older than 2007. 
So we assumed rehab numbers and some of those assumptions were not right. Best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back. I think it's pretty easy to give money. I think the best way to give back is to get involved and volunteer your time. I'm very involved with the Boy Scouts of America. And so when there's opportunities to jump on an Eagle project or serve the local community with Boy Scouts, that's something that's awesome just because of what Boy Scouts has done for me uh, individually. If I can figure out a way to help out locally, that's pretty powerful. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Probably through our website, homeriver.com. Very easy to get to homeriver.com. And I'm the current CEO. So if you click on the company profile, you can see me and you can message me there. And if there's anything I can do to help with property management, investment questions, build to rent, that kind of stuff. Love to help any way I could. Well, really enjoyed our conversation from some fundamentals with sticking to the lease. The emotional state shouldn't dictate the policy at that point in time. It should be the lease. Very well said. I, I pretty much wrote down my notes with that you were saying, so we'll credit you to that because you were the inspiration behind it. And then also the due diligence that's important. You talked about what we should do and then what happens if you don't do it on that portfolio in Memphis. Uh, and then congrats on the recent sale with the uh, apartment building and best of luck with the 1031 exchange into the one in Memphis. I really appreciate that. So thank you again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you so much. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals and making things happen? The seven figure sales podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at sevenfiguresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.